0: In the realm of true crime, every crime scene tells a story. Every story has its truths. These are the stories from inside the crime scene tape that separates fact from fiction.
1: That was a case where a very beautiful young 17-year-old high school girl walking home from a party one night the day before school started. Uh, She disappeared. She never made it home. Her body was found several days later in a ditch, shot multiple times in the head and the heart, just discarded like a piece of garbage. So sad it was never Solved until we got the cold case unit going. Sheriff Parnell McNamara promised his constituents in
0: McLennan County, Texas, around Waco, that he would actively pursue cold cases. McNamara was elected for a third four year term in January of 2021, and he has made good on his campaign pledge to open up homicide cases that had been long forgotten. Because as McNamara sees it, No one should get away with murder, and the victims' families deserve to know what happened. Hello, I'm Robert Riggs, covering Texas crime stories that are stranger than fiction. The McNamara clan started in law enforcement in 1902 with Guy McNamara, who President Franklin Roosevelt later appointed as a U.S. Marshal in 1933. You may recall from our earlier episodes about serial killer Kenneth McDuff that it was the brothers, Deputy U.S. Marshals Parnell and Mike McNamara, that launched the manhunt for McDuff with my co-host, former U.S. Prosecutor Bill Johnston. After 36 years with the U.S. Marshals Service, Parnell McNamara reached the mandatory retirement age. He retired for nine years, but was not willing to be put out to pasture, as they say here in Texas. He was elected sheriff in 2011 on a campaign slogan of riding herd on the lawless. McNamara wearing his trademark Stetson cowboy hat is a throwback to the Old West. The Western historical decor at his office looks like a modern-day Dodge City occupied by Wyatt Earp. I sat down to talk to Sheriff McNamara and the captain of his cold case unit, Steve January. They started by giving me a challenge coin for the unit. It features the dead man's hand in poker, the combination of cards that Wild Bill Hickok was holding when he was shot dead point-blank in the back of the head. Like I said, this is the Old West, where McNamara still forms a posse to hunt down fugitives. And one more thing. McNamara was the inspiration for Jeff Bridges' role in *Hell or High Water, which was written by his cousin, Taylor Sheridan, best known now for Yellowstone. Well, saddle up your horse. Here's my interview from Inside the Crime Scene tape with Sheriff Parnell McNamara sheriff mcnamara uh, you came into office with a campaign promise to start a cold case unit why were you so passionate about doing that
1: well i realized that there were a lot of unsolved murders very brutal homicides in this area and uh, i knew that some of them hadn't even been looked at in years and that was very disturbing to me Uh, the sheriff's office did not have a cold case unit there was really nobody actively looking at uh, these cases on a regular basis so i wanted to form a unit that would be dedicated to solving these brutal murders and not have to be distracted by other police work
0: i've seen this across the country where there's a huge backlog of cold cases it's like there must be a lot of people getting away with murder
1: absolutely and that was uh that was what was so disturbing to us when we uh, started looking into it and uh, once i formed the cold case unit i put captain steve january who was captain over our uh, criminal investigation division uh, which handles homicides and robberies and so forth i put him in charge as the commander of the cold case unit and i said go to the files go to the records and get the files out and let's see how many homicides we have here that are unsolved. And like you say, people literally have gotten away with murder.
0: Well, Captain January, Captain Steve January is here with us. Uh, When you went to those files, what did you find? Were you shocked? Were you what?
2: Yeah, we found files underneath cabinets. Uh, I told the sheriff some of them had dust on them and um, hadn't been looked at or read or touched in years, and it was it was disturbing because there are people out there that are getting away with murder, and uh, the victims' families. Uh, some of these cases, uh, law enforcement had not ever even talked, sat down and talked with the families. Is what we found out. And on one case, the sheriff um, put us on first. We uh, we interviewed 63 people from 37 years ago at that time. Now it's been a few more years since then. It was a 1982 murder, and um, we actually had them in this very room and sat down the whole family for over two hours and told them everything that we had found out and everybody that we had interviewed. And um, uh, the the joy for for us is is that the, we get to share that information with a family when nobody's ever talked to them. And um, uh, the mother of the victim in that case made a comment that we put on our challenge coin. She said. She told the sheriff, she said, thank you for answering our unanswered questions. And so we adopted that and put that on our our, uh, challenge coin for cold case unit.
0: Sheriff Magnum, what was there about that case? And what were the questions that needed to be answered?
1: Well, that was a case where a very beautiful young 17-year-old high school girl walking home from a party one night the day before school started Uh, She disappeared. She never made it home. Her body was found several days later in a ditch, shot multiple times in the head and the heart, just discarded like a piece of garbage. So sad, it was never solved until we got the cold case unit going and were able to solve it. And it was not solved with DNA. It was solved by just basic Police work on the part of our detectives, like the captain said, they interviewed sixty-three individuals, and finally found a witness that saw the killer that night, covered in blood, and and uh, we were able to uh, to solve that.
0: Were you able to get to the bottom of why no one had
1: done police work on this case? Well, they had done police work in the past. There were some uh, officers that looked at it, and. just were not able to put it together and i don't want to talk disparaging about them because some of them were good officers but uh this the cold case unit and captain january uh, have a wealth of knowledge in homicide investigations that's what the captain did when he was with waco pd and we hired another individual from an, uh, another police department that taught crime scene investigations and he still teaches uh forensic sci- uh criminal science uh, at baylor and so these guys are experts in that field and they were able to put everything together and solve this case
0: well, Captain January, I think a lot of the public today thinks this is easy with DNA. Explain what I call the shoe leather, the boot leather version of knocking on doors and going places. Give us a sense what really is involved in a homicide investigation.
2: Well, you, you, uh, first of all, the information a lot of times is really cold. The witnesses you have to track down all over the country. Uh, one example on one case, uh, we, we well, actually two examples. We go to Fort Smith, Arkansas, and interview a person that never talked to police. And um, uh, she was glad we were there and wanted to tell her story, and she solved one of the murder cases just because she witnessed she was boyfriend-girlfriend with a murder at that time. Another one, we, we fly to Tennessee and interview a person that never spoke to the officers. And my point is— um, she she gave us some dynamite information on another homicide that she had witnessed that night. Um, <clears throat> we have the technology now that we can find people, no matter where they've moved to. One of our, our suspects has moved out of the country. We know that. Uh, we're contemplating on trying to uh, see if we can go out of the country to interview that person. Um, but the sheriff has provided us uh, the the tools in which we can be successful. He allows us to go wherever we need to go, wherever we need to go, and stay as long as we need to go, to stay there to accomplish it, to do the interviews or to do the investigation. And I think last year in in, in 2021, he allowed us to go to at least six different states. And um, we get a lot of support from the citizens of McLennan County. They um, have provided uh, donations to our cold case unit. They want to be a part of something that, um, you know, is is helping other citizens get answers to their loved one's deaths.
0: Now, Sheriff, I know you, you've made a number of trips to Rio Dosa. Tell us about that case, if you can talk about it.
1: That is a case uh, where an individual we know murdered his wife, stuffed her in the trunk of a car in uh, 1985. And so it's been unsolved. We finally located him. Uh, we know where he is. Uh, we have gotten DNA, and we're, it's an active case, so I can't say a whole lot more about it now. But um, I personally went out with the, our officers twice to Ruidoso, Um, And like the captain said, we have had such incredible support from our citizens a lady just came in and gave us $6,000 for travel expenses. A couple of months ago, uh, Taylor Sheridan and his family, uh, producer of Yellowstone, uh, gave us 5000 Other citizens have given us thousands of dollars. So when we get a lead in another state, we don't have to send the information to another police department. We go ourselves.
0: I'm going to go off on a tangent a minute. You have a special connection to Taylor Sheridan, who is incredibly popular right now in Hollywood for not only Yellowstone, 1883, and more things coming.
1: Yes. Uh, Taylor's my cousin, and uh, I watched him grow up. He's uh, probably 15, 18 years younger than I am, and a uh, whale well of a cowboy. Uh, and so is his wife, Nicole. Uh, Taylor, uh, Taylor's father actually grew up uh, just right across the street from my family when we were in elementary school and all that. And then uh, Taylor's dad married my cousin, and that's, that's how we're related. And so um, I watched Taylor you know, grow up from a kid to what he is now, and he's an incredible writer, uh, as we all know.
0: Well, as you know, my wife is a cowgirl. horses, and we're watching uh, Yellowstone, and you see the uh, quarter horse sliding, and her friends didn't know that was Taylor on there, and that's called reining. They had no idea that he's a real cowboy.
1: Yeah, he really is, and uh, that's an incredibly difficult sport uh, to train those horses to slide and spin around like they do. Uh, Taylor is a master at that, and he's also an incredible uh, cutting horse rider, and um he's he's a ranch guy he's also been inducted into the Texas Cowboy Hall of Fame uh, in March of uh, 2021 and so we were in Fort Worth for that
0: so for our audience that's a little bit of texana for you but back to the coke cases steve what has been the the most interesting case you've taken
2: on probably the most interesting was the first one um because it 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 was so complex as far as the interviews and connecting and uh, on all of our cold cases, we put together a PowerPoint presentation for grand juries. And we do have currently four indictments with the local DA on cases that are still pending. But the first one, when you put together the PowerPoint of all the different characters that were involved, uh, and there were multiple suspects that we had to rule out because uh, sometimes other investigators, they, they pull people into an investigation and they never Resolve the fact that they they weren't the person that did it. So as we we went through that case, it took months and months, and uh, it was very satisfying because of all the the answers we got for ourselves and for the family and for the innocent people that had been falsely accused. There were some people that were falsely accused by law enforcement back in the eighties of doing that crime, and we we resolved those issues, and um, you know. Uh, the family's um gratitude toward us, it, it it just it runs cold chills over you and brings tears to your eyes sometimes if you would have been in this room when we presented all those uh interviews and facts and circumstances to them. It just um it just it's it's hard to talk about sometimes you get choked up a little bit. A uh, seventeen year old girl, like he said, it was a, a student here locally and um she had a life ahead of her and Uh, During the interview in this room right here, there was her mother. uh, Her dad had died. Her mother had remarried, and of course, she's grown old. Grew old. Sorry about the wording. Um, Her sister was here. Her brother was here. Their significant others were here, and I think a niece was here. They had about eight people in this room, and um, that was probably the most impactful investigation I've had, uh, other than when I worked at Waco PD. Um, it was one at Waco meant a lot to me. But as far as cold cases, that's got to be my favorite, the first one.
1: I would like to uh, add a little bit to that. Uh, thank you, Captain. Um, one of the things that stood out about our first case <clears throat> when we got into it, we notified the family that we were looking into this case. And the mother literally broke down on the phone and couldn't believe that we were still interested in the case. She said, I can't believe that Beth was not forgotten. We thought she had been forgotten all these years. And we said, absolutely not. And I said, we're going to do everything we can to solve this case. And um, that was rewarding to me just to hear the parents of this young girl that was so brutally murdered innocently walking home, trying to get home after this party And the ride that had taken her didn't have enough gasoline to get her home, so she said, I'll just walk. And, of course, that was her last walk. And uh, But the fact that it touched them so much to know that law enforcement had not forgotten her and that we were still trying uh, meant the world to the family. And then when we brought them in and explained everything, they said, we really never thought y'all would be able to convince us that you solved this, but now we know you did. So
0: what was the reaction of the killer when you put the cuffs on him?
2: Well, on, on that particular case, the killer was already passed away, and so we weren't able to make an arrest on that case. But everybody in the room, all the investigators, the sheriff, the family, knew that if he was alive, we would have been able to put him in a courtroom and got a conviction out of him. Um you know, it's sad that he had passed away a few years prior to our solving it. It was just a few years, uh, probably three years before we, we solved it, that he had passed away.
0: So you, you talked about the officers get emotional over these. Now, I'm going to describe for the audience, you're both wearing cowboy hats, western boots, jeans, western belts, gun, big gun belts. You, know, you both are tough-looking guys and, and hard. You, I, I, somebody look at you and not expect you to get emotional. But you do.
1: Absolutely. Uh, we're supposed to be big tough lawmen, but sometime uh maybe we're not. These things touch us when innocent people are hurt or murdered and families are devastated. Uh it hits us all real hard. And so uh, that strengthens our resolve to solve these cases. And so um you know, when we're talking to the family, uh, we may have tears rolling down our face too, and uh, it's uh, it's so emotional, and it is such a bad thing that has happened when these innocent people, most of them not in the bad part of town, not late at night, just the wrong place at the wrong time, like Beth Bramlett walking down the street trying to get home and gets picked up. This happened to be one of her neighbors, and I'm sure he offered to give her a ride. She got in the car, and then she was beaten very badly before she was shot and killed. And so it was unfortunate that we didn't get him before he died. Um, We would have done everything we could to put him in prison for life or get him the death sentence.
0: And yet it was a neighbor who she would have trusted to get
1: in the car with. Yes. It was actually the father of one of her friends, so to speak. And uh, we're pretty sure that that's that's what happened. But once he got her in the car, uh, we feel like he drove past her house, and she confronted him, hey, that's where I live. And then he started uh, abusing her, beating her, and then eventually shot her and threw her out in the ditch. Very sad.
0: You had a case here that was interesting in that the person was threatening real estate agents, but he had lots and lots of personal information about them. Did you work on this, Steve? Is this part
2: my, one of my investigators worked on it? If you're talking about uh, the guy out of Lubbock,
0: that seemed like a nightmare for any real estate agent or person getting that call. And what would he say when he called, and how did he get the info?
2: Um, a lot of the real estate people post these billboards, and they they. Post their picture, they post their uh, office numbers, cell phone numbers. And I think uh, I, I didn't interview him, and I don't think he really talked to our investigators after the rest about it, but um, he would pick a city. And I think there were uh, 20 cities in 10 different states that he was actually doing this in where he was harassing. Um, and it, most of the time, it was vulgar or sexual in nature. Um, and he was obtaining these cell phone numbers and he would communicate. And we were able to track him back um, uh, through cell phone tower information and also uh, locations. And, you know, he was doing this out of a location, and uh, when we tracked it back, it came right back to him. Um, I don't want to really uh, divulge our yeah. our techniques of uh, locating yeah. him, but we did, and, um, and it was him. I think he was just a pervert. I think he was—I uh, don't know how dangerous he was, to the people that he was calling here in McClendon County. However, it was later found out that he had committed a couple of murders that were cold cases in another city in Texas. And um, that that's still ongoing though.
0: And Sheriff, uh, give us a little more detail. You talked about how he would, even husbands would get on the line and he'd threaten the husband and tell him to get
1: off. And yes, uh, he certainly would. And, he was spoofing uh, area codes, and it would show up like he was calling from Los Angeles or San Francisco or um, you know Alabama, Georgia, somewhere, other states. And he made a mistake on one thing, and we were able to track it back to him and pinpoint him in Lubbock. And so we sent our FAST unit to Lubbock, got him arrested, brought him back to McLennan County. And while he was here, DNA was matched up that he was the killer of a two brutal murders, uh, in Lubbock, uh, back in, uh, I guess, uh, what, 18 or 20 years ago. Oh. And so, uh, very lucky there. That was a good DNA hit, but our, our, um, criminal investigation division was the one that solved that case. And, uh, but he was, yes, he was threatening them. Uh, he was just, a a sick SOB, and uh, he was doing all kind of sexual innuendos and threatening the husbands and threatening to kill them or threatening to do all kind of bodily harm to them.
0: So it's a long way from Waco to Lubbock, Texas. There are a lot of departments that would never spend the money to do that, but y'all did.
1: Absolutely. Um, We can't read any county line signs. I can't read state line signs. And so. uh,
0: And what I need to explain for our listeners is that
1: often your jurisdiction ends at the border of the county. (laughs) That's correct. But we go wherever we're needed. And so we travel all over the state. We have gone into many other states. A lot of our investigators are deputized as U.S. Marshals. So they have federal cred. So uh, we have a couple that are uh, commissioned under Homeland Security that have federal jurisdiction. So. There's all kinds of ways we can do this, but wherever we're needed uh, we work with other agencies we don't just go into somebody else's jurisdiction unannounced. we always work with the local police there and uh but that's how we're able to solve these cold cases is these men uh Captain January and uh, uh, detective hitch are dedicated twenty four seven to the cold case, they don't have to pull off and do anything else, and so that's why they're successful. And they can go anywhere.
0: Now, you not you not only go to other states in the United States. You've recently had an officer in Poland in response to the sex trafficking crisis coming out of Ukraine.
1: Yes, absolutely. tell us what what is happening there. What is the well? What is happening in Poland is happening all over the world. And uh, human trafficking is rampant everywhere, and we had no idea how bad it was till we formed a human trafficking unit here in 2014. And so our investigator, the our lead investigator, Joe Scaramucci, has gone all over the United States training other police departments. He's gone into uh, Mongolia training the Mongolian police, and these are invitations to McLennan county to please come help and train us what y'all are doing so he was asked or McLennan county was asked to go to poland and help the polish police recognize people that were being trafficked as soon as the ukrainians were coming across the border because the men are required to stay in ukraine and fight so you have the women and their kids beautiful girls coming across, young kids. And so the victims are just ripe for this trafficking. And so while uh, Scaramucci was there in Poland, he was also going into Ukraine, and he and the border police uh, recognized and identified several Russians that were operating in on the Ukrainian-Polish border, And trying to grab these women and kids, they even uh, identified a an American that was involved in the trafficking from a state over here, and so they're going to be dealing with him. So basically, that's what we were doing. And people say, "Why are you sending somebody, you know, out of state or out of the country if we can help solve this problem in any way before it gets to mclennan County, whether it be drugs or trafficking or whatever?" Uh, that that's our goal. Or if we can help other agencies or other states or other countries, uh, we're we're going to go. I've given our guys a green light, and uh, they go.
0: Did you find the sex traffickers are also now trying to smuggle the people they've entrapped uh, through our southern border of Texas?
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's rampant. Uh, what is happening there is a travesty against humanity, and these people that are caused this north of us here should hide their head in shame. They ought to find a big rock and crawl under it because they have created a horrible situation on the border, not just for our border patrol, our DPS, our sheriffs and law enforcement down there, but also for innocent people that want to come across legally, but they're being trafficked by the cartels. And it's putting a lot of people, especially our people, our law enforcement, in big-time jeopardy.
0: We're going to pause for a moment for a message from our sponsor. We'll be right back after this.
2: I'll be back after this
0: break. Hello, this is Robert, and I want to ask a small favor. Will you please tell your friends who love true crime to follow the True Crime Reporter podcast? As you know, it's one of the few podcasts where you can hear raw, unfiltered accounts from law enforcement experts, victims, and even convicted criminals. And please sign up for my free newsletter. The form is on every page of my website. Finally, I am so thankful to my Apple listeners who have given the podcast five-star reviews. Your reviews on all of the channels are extremely helpful
1: in spreading the word about this podcast. Now, back to our episode.
2: We're back now. I'm Robert Riggs talking with Sheriff
0: Parnell McNamara, the McLennan County Sheriff in Waco, Texas, and the head of cold cases, Captain Steve January. Other cold cases that... Stand out that you're particularly proud of, that, and background on them.
2: Proud of one that we have indicted. Can't talk about the details, but um, we have an indictment on on that person, and we're trying to pull him out of another country as we speak. We we have to have some help though, getting provisional warrants and stuff. But we're pretty proud of that one. That was um, there were probably uh, thirty three thirty three people present uh, in the area when it happened. over the period of the last twenty now it's about twenty eight years, um, there have been uh, five of them that had passed away. But we located twenty eight of the thirty three. Twenty six of the witnesses are still in McClendon County. The other two are still in Texas. And so that's that gives you a lot of pride when you are able to locate all those folks from that far back, get an indictment, and know that when you actually put the handcuffs on him and drag him back to McClendon County, that we will get a conviction on it. There's no doubt.
1: This uh, individual that he's talking about shot four people in front of a big crowd. He killed one. He crippled one for life who's still in a wheelchair. Uh, Two of them recovered. And so very brutal act. um, And we're going to do everything we can to get him back in the country and uh, uh, make him accountable for what he's done.
0: Sheriff, for listeners, how can they help you? I know you 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 take contributions. Where do they send it, and what will it do for you?
1: Well, if somebody wants to make a contribution to the sheriff's cold case unit, uh, they just make a, a check out to McLennan County Sheriff's Cold Case Unit. It goes straight into an account that is used for traffic, uh, you know, for tra- uh, for traveling. Uh, motels, gas lodging, and all that uh, for our guys to go follow up on these leads. And um, that's one way. That's been a huge help. We would not have been able to do what we've done if the public hadn't stepped up and given us the funds to travel and uh, follow up on these
2: leads.
0: And I know there's advanced DNA techniques that are really helpful in these cases, but uh, Captain January, I mean, they're expensive.
2: They are expensive, and uh, eventually we may have to use some of these funds to go toward uh, an outside agency other than the agencies we use right now that do it for free, like DPS. Um, We are considering a couple of cases. The DNA is expensive, um, but it's a a way of life now that these other individuals that have DNA labs that are developing new techniques and new databases to search the DNA for are going to have to be utilized because the state and the federal databases are not going to be sufficient to do all these cases. Um, but um, having said that, yes, it is expensive and these funds may end up going toward the you know the financing of some DNA work outside of of those agencies.
1: One thing uh, if I may I want to give our guys credit uh, a lot of these cases happened before DNA. They're going back and pulling up all the evidence out of the lockers and are able to get some DNA uh, that, uh, you know, back in the day, back in the 80s, uh, nobody knew really what DNA was, nobody was using it, and uh, mainly fingerprints and blood types and that type of thing. So we're able to go back and get clothing, get DNA off of clothing and different uh, items, beer cans or whatever that uh, cigarettes that may have been found at the scene and uh, matching that DNA up there.
0: Sheriff Parnell McNamara and Captain Steve January, thank you so much for talking about your cold case unit. Again, in our show notes, I'm going to put in their information about where you could send a contribution to the Clinton County Sheriff's cold case unit. And I would say in conclusion here, this is an example of the long arm of the Texas law. Absolutely. Thank you both. Thank you. We want to be your favorite true crime podcast. So please recommend us to your friends and leave a review wherever you listen. If you want to receive updates and bonus interviews, join our true crime community at truecrimereporter.com. If you have suggestions or know of a case that we should look into, email us at fan at com. This podcast is a trademarked and copyrighted news organization based in Dallas, Texas. You can read more about our news team at truecrimereporter.com. Thanks for listening to our Journey into Darkness. Please tell your friends who love true crime that they can bypass secondhand tales and get their true crime fix here with authentic stories straight from the source. Tell them that True Crime Reporter is one of the few podcasts where you can hear raw, unfiltered accounts from law enforcement victims and even convicted criminals. And sign up for my free newsletter on the homepage of TrueCrimeReporter.com. It's your gateway to a world of knowledge and awareness in the realm of true crime and your personal safety. Thanks for listening, and until we meet again, be prepared, don't get
1: scared. This is Robert Riggs reporting.